Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jorzen. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to start off in this first segment talking about the N-word. Yes. Why? Because one thing is obvious. It's definitely a part of the American lexicon in certain groups. Now, what I'm going to talk about this in particular, it has to do with the component of it being used in relationships. Now, as you know, I'm not a proponent of the N-word by no stretch. I don't care what variation you put it in. It's a slap in the face to the ancestors. Unfortunately, this word is used in the African-American community very cavalierly. They look at it from the standpoint, and I've heard all kind of arguments on all sides of the equation. The word is a derogatory term. The term was made to be disrespectful to African Americans. And some have tried to embrace it in the 90s and tried to put an A or an AZ at the end and make it less less, uh, offensive. No matter how you package it, it's still a pig. The problem is this. First of all, the term was not something you came up for yourselves. It's something that was put on you like a label. You're just like you're in this cannery and you just have a label put on you. And the sad thing about it, it's a very very negative and derogatory label that was exported throughout the world. You have people in other countries using the term now. People that are not even black. But here's the thing. It's a disrespectful term. I won't call another black man that or another man, period, that word. Because of one thing. Where I grew up, that word could have gotten you killed from another black person if you called them that. That was one thing you didn't do. Now, here's the thing. We've exploited ourselves using that word. Comedians use it. Entertainers use it all the time to get a laugh. But what we're doing is actually exchanging our dignity for some dollars. That's what it comes down to. And I'm not here to persuade you about not using it or whatever because you have your own mindset but it's a very destructive word just for the record the I-G-G-E-R-S if you look in the south they had this thing called chiggers and jiggers 
and they just put an in in front of it. Now, both of the two terms that I just talked about, jiggers and jiggers, are mites, M-I-T-E-S. What do you think the in in front of it implied for black people? A social parasite. Now, why is that the case? Reasoning being, slaves were like ticks, as many in white society saw it. Feeding off of the master. And what this meant as well was that they were angry at the slaves, the working class whites, for taking potential jobs from them. Or they would have had to pay a prevailing wage. And as we know, the landowners and the slave owners didn't want that. They bought those slaves for a reason. So they didn't have to worry about sick days, workers' comp. They didn't have to worry about any kind of rebuttal or rebellion for the most part. And they gave the whites the consolation prize of, well, you're not one of them, so consider yourself fortunate. Oh, and by the way, you'll never be on the same level as they are. They're at the lowest level. But what we've done, unfortunately, we've taken that lower level status and we tried to make something out of it. An identity. And sadly, some people bask in that identity of the N-word. Oh, it was funny when Richard Pryor used to crack those jokes and everybody else, and even now with Dave Chappelle. But we have to look at what is actually happening to us. We marginalize ourselves by using it. So therefore, society feels as though, well, if you're doing this to yourself, hell, why can't we do it too? Because that's what we've done. You get upset when a white person or someone of a different race uses that term as if you have some sort of patent on it. And it wasn't even yours in the beginning. And this brings me to talking about African-American women that call men niggas and motherfuckers and men call women bitches and hoes. Oh, we cashed out back in the 80s when gangster rap was big. We didn't care because it was all about the money. In the 90s, they tried to convert the word into something that was more acceptable. Still didn't work. Still was abrasive and offensive. I remember seeing people walking around with kente cloths on and in the same breath called each other the N-word. Made no sense. It was a contradiction. And yet the person was a Christian as well. You know, 
Germany is a nation, correct? People who live in Germany are Germans. Now I want you to think about it for a moment. It would be offensive for a German to be called a Nazi. And it would be even more offensive for a German to call another German a Nazi. Yes, they have a small contingent of people that identify with that. But in a broader context, that's something in their history that they don't want to really bring forward. And if they could do it as a small nation, by comparison to the United States, maybe we need to re-examine the way we treat ourselves. The thing that you have to look at is this. We've become too comfortable in disrespecting each other. So comfortable in a way that we go and we have no problem broadcasting that term in order to express ourselves because our emotions and feelings are more important than the logic behind the dignity that we lose. And that's where, as African Americans, we have messed up. That word's not going to be used on this show anymore. We're done with it. Even with the audio clips, you're going to be done with that. If they have no other way of expressing themselves, too bad. The clips and everything else won't be played on this show. And the reason why I've gone in this direction is because I started to think about when I was growing up. And as many of you know that have listened to the show, my birth certificate didn't even classify me as a human being. My birth certificate in Mississippi said I was Negro chattel. I didn't even reach the inward status at that time, along with many other people born in the same period and before me in that state. Another thing you have to also understand, too, is this. Growing up back then, if you called another black man the N-word, there's a good possibility you are going to get your throat cut. That was something you didn't do, especially in the 1970s. When people were calling themselves Afro-Americans. Not African. Afro. Many of them wore the Afros with the daishikis and the double-knit pants and platform shoes. They had to pick in their hair with the black power fist. Well, here's the thing that you have to also look at. There was a sense of dignity back then and respect.
Now, here's the thing. Back then, I didn't hear a black woman call a black man the N-word. He was actually called a brother. Black women were called sisters. Now, I'm not here to change anyone's lexicon or trying to change it back to the period that existed when I was coming up. But what I am trying to do is convey to you that personal dignity, unless you exemplify it in yourself, others don't see it in you. And that's where the problem has been. You have a group of people, ancestors, that were brought over here from different tribes, different regions of Africa, different dialect, different language. There were some slaves that even had fights with each other on the ship because of tribal differences. And there were others that had relationships where they grew closer. Only to be separated at slave auctions in Savannah, Baltimore, Charlotte, and many other places on the East Coast. Sold into slavery. And we fail to really think about that when we use that word, about the sacrifices, about the indignity that a lot of those people went through. Not voluntarily, where you can voluntarily do it now by using that word, but back then where they had no choice. That's what we fail to look at. That's the reason why a lot of the women that used to use that word describing me to start a relationship with them, it was never going to happen. And they never understood why. I didn't call her a bitch or whore or anything derogatory. And she's going to call me that and I'm supposed to accept that and be in a relationship with her? If I wanted that, I could get that from any sundown town in the South. And that's what they didn't get. You start with dignity, respect. Another thing, too that we have to come to grips with. There's some people that are so desperate for an identity, they will use that as their own. And they don't have to. You know, it's interesting in South Africa, the way the colonialists down there would try to shame the Zulu and the other tribes there was to call them Kafirs, non-believers of Islam. Tried to shame them in that sense 
And these people had not only a country, culture, and language, and everything else, an identity well before those folks came on their shores. And they were going to let that compromise what they've already established? No. And you have to also look at it from the standpoint that I'm sure a Zulu will find it offensive for another Zulu to call them a Kappa. Because it doesn't belong to them. Just like that word does not belong to black people. That's something they gave you. Not something you should accept. What's so hard about it? Now, I was going to play a clip for the show until I listened to this lady call this man the N-word almost 13 times in it. And I said, you know what? It makes no sense. This woman could not speak proper English. Her grammar was horrible. But she could get that N-word right. She could deface her man, well, potential man, with that term. Now, here's the sad truth. And what we're talking about today are fly-ins. What are fly-ins? Fly-ins is this phenomenon. It's been around for a while. I've even done it with a few women in the past. But way back before the internet was around. That's when you meet someone. But now you can meet them online. Back then, people that I'd met while I was traveling overseas, and some of the ladies that I met that I really liked, we started a little relationship. When I got back to the States, I would fly them in to visit during the summer. And here's the interesting thing. Now, people are doing this online with never meeting anyone. They never met the person. They've only corresponded online, text or phone call, and that's about it. And now this person is getting a ticket paid to come out to see them. A very risky move, I might add. Now, in this particular instance, this lady flew a guy in that she had never met before. She had catfished him, lied to him, told him that she was 10 years younger than she was. This woman was 50. Told him that she was 40. The guy was 35. And some of the photos she had sent him were when she was younger. And oh, he couldn't wait to get there in order to really get to know this woman. And he gets to the airport. She pulls out her cell phone and she's recording everything. And he sees her. And she's calling his name out. 
And you could tell by the look on his face that he was disappointed. Now, sadly for him, he didn't prepare. One thing, he didn't have enough money to get back home. The other problem was he didn't even have enough money to arrange for a hotel. So he was at her mercy. They get into the car. And the rest of it is through the audio. But what has happened, she's put the phone down and you just see the uh, dome light in the car while they're talking. And he's telling her, thank you for the trip. And she's trying to go on. So, oh, yeah, we're going to have such a wonderful time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we, we will, we will. But you could tell that he was really not enthusiastic about being with her. And he started asking her questions like, well, in your photos, you're not as big as you are now. And he said, how old are you? And she's taking it as an insult now because of the fact that she had paid for his ticket, got him there. And so at first she was not so abrasive about it. Then she just went on and told him, if you don't want to stay here, you could get your ass back on a plane and fly back to where you came from. And he's like, well, I don't have the money to do that. She said, exactly. So you're going to enjoy whatever I give you. Now, it was his fault totally. One thing, accepting a trip from anyone, you always go with enough money to get your ass back home and to also make sure that you have accommodations. You never stay at someone's house when you come in there unless you really know them, but how do you? You don't. You know of them. You don't know them. Women get caught up doing this crap all the time, especially these young girls. So anyway, she takes him home. He gets there. She doesn't live in the nicest neighborhood. And he made the comment, I live better at home than this place. Another mistake he made. Criticizing someone when you don't have anything your damn self. And she's like, well, apparently you're broke. He said, yeah, but all my bills are paid. And she asked him, you came all the way here with no money. He said, well, I got about $200 on me. He set himself up for failure. A lot of people do this. Well, anyway, what happened, she wound up kicking him out. He didn't have a place to go. Now, this is the second time I've seen a guy do this. First time I shared with you before about the lady who had brought the guy out to Los Angeles from Florida. This is the second time. I think this lady was in Atlanta. And she got mad at him because he wouldn't sleep with her. Because she had misrepresented herself. This is the reason why when you travel on someone else's nickel, which I don't recommend, 
you owe them. They're creating that debt. It's just like these guys that go out and get these record contracts and the studio or the record label gives them an advance of three, four hundred thousand dollars and they got to do everything within that window of that budget and then they wind up owing the record label Mm-mm. nope sometimes it's best to do it yourself not worry about it at least you know what you owe that's the key and that that is one thing that sinks a lot of people in our society they don't know what they owe because they just ring it up because we are a society where if we want something, we pursue it and worry about the consequences later. We have this over-obsessive desire to indulge. That's what capitalism pretty much is. Pushes you over the edge. I looked at one stat, said something like 78% of Americans are over their head in debt. Meaning that if they had to pay all their bills off with the resources they have, they could not do it. Now, here's the other thing that we have to look at with this. Throughout this whole situation with this lady and this guy, she called him the N-word at least 12 times. Frustrated and angry. And you men out there are going to accept a woman that's going to refer to you in that fashion. How's that person going to represent you in public? You can't really take her anywhere. I know, I've dated women like that. The only place you're going to be able to take them is where they live. You take them out of that environment, she's going to embarrass you. There are women that I know that have done that with guys. He's a little rough around the edges. Don't you take him up there on Wilshire. You need to keep his ass down there on Century Boulevard. They're coming about. You know, he embarrassed the hell out of me. What did I tell you? Some people don't comport themselves to the environment or to the situation. You need someone that can code switch. Now, another thing, too. I tell you what, let's take a break. We'll continue. Now, there was a young lady that did a fly-in to Dubai. And um, I listened to her situation. She was 23 years old. And she was going to go over. This person picked her up on Instagram 
and she was supposed to have this lavish weekend there in Dubai. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about some of the horrific things they made her do while she was there. But for what she received in return, it wasn't worth it. And a lot of people don't realize when you go to a place like Dubai or Singapore, you have to comport yourself because they have very strict social laws there that you have to abide by. Cussing out in public, acting a fool, not so much. Not so much. Very rigid. And a lot of times Americans think that just because they're an American, they can go to another country and behave any kind of way. The hype stays here. When you go there, you're just another global citizen. And you're a foreigner in their country. And you have to abide by their laws and rules. They don't care about excuses, exceptions, and that means drugs, that kind of thing. Don't bring that crap over there. Because the sentence is there. Some of them are mandatory with no parole, no bail, none of that crap. You get the time, whatever it is. Especially if you go to China. So you have to know what you're dealing with. A lot of you ladies are being beguiled by these guys on Snapchat, Instagram, Kick, and all the rest of these other platforms to travel because they're paying for your trip. And therefore, you're thinking a lot of times that it's not going to be sex. Let me tell you something up front. If someone is paying for your airline ticket, bus ticket, train ticket, whatever, to come to see them, they're expecting sex and intimacy. Don't play yourself like that. Make sure you have enough money. If you're not going to sleep with the person, pay your own way. Get your own hotel room. So that you're in charge. You can set the standards. They come to see you at the hotel. You determine how far they can go. Then they leave. You come in there. Living in their place. Eating their food. Being isolated. They have you at their disposal. You're at their mercy. And do you really want to be in a compromising position like that? And one thing to never do is to go somewhere broke. And if you're going broke and poor in mind also, you're screwed. You're totally screwed because you're not thinking. No matter how good they sound on the phone, no matter how good they sound online, you still don't know what you're dealing with. You may get there 
And then after you get there, that person may be married. They may have a family. They may have a girlfriend, boyfriend. They may have a bad reputation. They may owe somebody money. You don't know what you're getting into. This is the reason why you want to have a hotel at your disposal. And the reason being is because any kind of drama can be outside the hotel for that person. You don't have to deal with it. Now, fellas, let me tell you something else that some women do and ladies, some guys do this too. Take, for instance, you pay for this person to come to the town where you are. Guess what many of these folks do? They start up relationships with people within that same town or in that same area. They do this as a backup. Some of them will say, hey, just pay, just pay for me one way. Reason why they're doing that is because they're using you to get there. They will deliberately start an argument with you, have the other person pick them up, and they go and continue their little deal. That other person will probably pay for them to go back home. That's an old trick. So please understand that that's a risk you're taking by doing that. I was looking at one uh, video where the guy had cashed up the woman money in order to fly out to see him. And she took the money and paid her rent. You never know what people would do. I've always stuck by the policy of if I don't know you and have not met you, you don't get into my wallet. The women that I did fly over here years ago, that was after I had met them when I was overseas in my travel. Face to face. Knowing how their perfume smelled. Going out with them, dancing with them, eating with them. Knowing who I was with. Knowing what their expectations were. Nothing replaced the experience of being with someone. That virtual stuff means nothing until you meet the person. You will find that there will be a difference between the person you meet and the person you chatted with online. Oh, they're going to tell you many things about them online, but they're not going to tell you everything. Some things you will get through observation. You know, years ago in Vietnam, they were going to try to do a POW rescue. And they had these special forces guys that trained down in Florida back in 1970. And they were supposed to go into Vietnam, North Vietnam, and rescue these prisoners. Well, they had done the surveillance. They had SR-71 Blackbird fly over. They had all of these different reconnaissance missions and these planes, but they didn't have anyone on the ground. 
And the people they had on the ground were not really that close to the compound. What they did find out was that there was one POW compound and there was another one where they had all of the security and intelligence people. And the United States Special Forces, they had worked on this particular rescue for months. In fact, they had set up this uh, city just like it was set up there in in uh, Vietnam, down there in Florida. And it put a tarp over so they could work at night so that the Russians wouldn't get intel on what they were doing to notify the North Vietnamese in advance. Now, none of the Special Forces soldiers knew when they got to Thailand where they were going or what country they were in. They didn't find that out until they were going into Vietnam. So they all got in these helicopters and they went in, but it was only one problem. They had a helicopter that was not, because they couldn't use the Huey UH-1 because it was too small to carry all the people. So they had to use a CH-53, which is the largest helicopter that we have. Marine Corps, we used to ride those things all the time. They're pretty cool too on the tactical maneuvers, But anyway, they had to crash this thing inside the compound. Well, they got there, and they got into a firefight. And then the other helicopter landed in the wrong compound. It landed where the security forces were. So they had a hell of a firefight that night. They were able to do an extraction and get everybody out. Unfortunately... They couldn't get the POWs. The reason being it had rained prior, and therefore they had moved the POWs in the fear of the creek, I mean the river rising. So President Nixon at least tried, but it wasn't so wasn't successful at all in that sense as far as uh, bringing POWs back because that was the thing at the time. And what I'm saying to you is this. Sometimes you can get sent on a mission and not know the consequences of participating in that mission because things can change. Things can exist that you don't know about going there to meet that person. And you get there, then you find out that this lady is a baby mama when she said she had no kids. She's still married when she said she was single. And don't expect a person to be truthful with you because if they're desperate and trying to get someone into their lives, they're going to lie and they're going to deceive. Because being in a relationship is far more important than what they've done to you to get you there. Their priorities are to, hey, my needs need to be met. Damn you and your risk tolerance. You're a non-essential factor. And that's what you have to look at. Because then that person is telling you, 
about how much they respect you according to what they don't disclose to you. I know you probably thought I was going to say what they do disclose to you, but no. See, here's the thing. People try to sell themselves at face value. It's just like a car dealership. You go up on that buy here to pay here lot and you see that nice car sitting there and you're like, damn, I can't wait to get in that car. And they've armor all the tires. Oh man, they have put that damn Simonized wax on the car. And you're looking at that car, you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get that. Then you look and you look at the old dominant, it's got 250,000 miles. That's all right. I ain't gonna be driving it that much. This will be my show car, so you think. And they tell you the price of the car is $10,000. And you're like, oh, well, I could afford that. But what they don't tell you is this. Car needs shocks. Or struts. Needs a lot of other things. Transmission overhaul. All of those other things. And they tell you, well, if anything goes bad, you can bring it back. Car's under warranty. Yeah, no warranty with them. And then what happens? Car breaks down. You got to take it back. I don't worry about it. And they go fix the car and you're like, uh, okay, well, I mean, oh, it's covered on your warranty. But you don't think about it. You don't look at your invoice. When you look at your monthly statement from them, you start to see that that cost had been added on to the payments on that car. And they might tell you something like, oh, this is covered under warranty. Portions of it, maybe. You got to check. But you're so enthusiastic to get the vehicle, you don't care what you have to go through to get it. And this is where people run into problems with relationships. So enthusiastic for the cosmetic side of the relationship that you fail to look under the hood. It cracks me up. I was watching a, a dating coach the other night on YouTube. And she was oh so light, happy, and bubbly about relationships. And how everything was perfect. Everything would work out. You just do this. You just do this, girls, and it will work. And that man will be all over you. Half the things she was talking about would exist in an environment where you didn't have people that had financial problems, people that didn't have health problems, people that didn't have family dysfunction, people that didn't have things that affected them. Because what they want to do is tell you the idealized fakery of relationship. See, they're concerned about the splash, the big splash, making a big impression. She was telling the people, go to the modeling studios and all this stuff, take uh, voice classes and acting class. Oh, it was just pathetic. Didn't have to go through all that. She never once said, be yourself. And that's hard for some people to do because they don't even know who they are. 
Those four questions I tell you about. Who are you? What's your purpose? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your intentions? Very simple. Same interview questions that are asked on a job. You don't have to ask them so directly. You can ask them in a roundabout way. But the main thing to keep in mind is to know the person you're with. Know who you're talking to. A valuable lesson I learned many, many times over. I will never forget. There was a guy that I was chatting with one day. I don't mean internet chatting. I mean talking to one day. And we were over at the pavilion. And um, I'm sitting there eating a sandwich. He's sitting over at the other table. And he's joking with me and laughing with me and everything. And so this beautiful, gorgeous blonde walks over and sits by him and gives him a hug and shakes his hand. And I've seen this woman on television a few times. And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Like that, he started grinning and he says, oh, I'm an executive producer at this one uh, media outlet. And I'm like, oh, I've seen your work then. And then we started chatting. Didn't know it at the time. Look at this guy. was like, he looks like any other guy. You always have to know who you're talking to because you never know. He was able to introduce me to people. At that time, I was working in financial services, and he helped me out a lot. Networking is a big thing, and you want to know who you're talking to. Because just because you may be in an environment where you're attracted to someone, I wasn't attracted to the dude, but I'm just saying in in general. If it's a situation where you're attracted to someone, then what happens then, they may not necessarily want a relationship with you, but they could probably refer you to somebody else that could help in that cause. That they may say, you know what, you'd be ideal for so-and-so. What he did in that situation, I gave him a business card, he gave me his, and he says, well, you know, I'm going to have one of my friends to call you, and uh, maybe you could talk to them. And he did, gave me referrals. And I had some pretty good clients. After that, I was like, damn, he did me a favor. Over eating a sandwich at another table, this man put about $8,000 in my pocket from those clients. Had we not had the conversation, that's a grand I wouldn't have had. This is what happens. And they referred me on to other people. They were like, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, the euro is a good thing to invest in right now because during that time, the euro hadn't really hit a price yet as far as what it was going to be entered in the market at, at, as far as the rate. I was selling those contracts. You never know, folks. You never know. Now, we're going to talk more in just a moment. 
Join us in celebrating Latino Heritage Month this October. Now, another thing to keep in mind with fly-ins. There may be an agenda, of course, behind the fly-in. And for you to think that there's not one, you're very naive. There's always an agenda behind the fly-in, whether it's just to have sex, maybe to have someone help them with bills. You never know what the actual objective is. So you're putting yourself in a situation where you're finding things out, you're peeling the onion as you go along. And sometimes that could be very um, daunting. It could be something that you may not have the stomach for. That person may even want to trap you there. Oh, don't worry about a thing. You don't need to bring any money. Yes, you do. Never fall into that trap. You always want to have resources. You always want to let your family know where you are. It's imperative that you do. Because here is the thing. That person you're meeting for the first time, you don't know much about them. And as I tell you, being that you're getting there, as soon as you get to the airport, you want to take a selfie with that person. Using the timestamp app, that's on, you can find it on Play Store or the App Store. It's called Timestamp. And you want to open that app up and take a picture, a close, tight selfie with that person. If they refuse to take a picture with you, you might have a problem. Another thing to look at, take a picture of the rear of their car. License plate in full view taillight pattern, everything, preferably during the daytime. Reason why you're doing this and you want to send it to your family members or send it to a roommate, do not put it on social media. The only place you want this to go is to someone who, if they are contacted by authorities, will know where to start looking for you. You want to definitely have your roommate, relative, or someone to know the address if you're going to stay with someone. What is the street address? You want to know zip code? All of that. Phone number, everything. So in that way, they will know exactly where you are. If you're not sure, and you're in a strange town, What you could do is open up your phone and Google it. Just use Google Maps. Snap a screenshot of the location. Send that also to family members, loved ones, or whomever. Because quite honestly, being that you're with this person that's a total stranger, you don't know what the hell they're going to do. This is the reason why I suggest strongly that you pay for your own ticket, check into a hotel, rent a car if you need to, or get a Lyft or Uber, but don't become so dependent on that person. 
you will have control over how things go while you're there. And fellas, let me tell you something. Just because you're male don't mean that you have a handle on everything. Because as far as you know, this woman could have guys waiting at her place to rob you. Be mindful of that. Very important. And on a first meet, fellas, do not go to her place. Have her meet you somewhere like at the hotel or somewhere like that, preferably. If you got a hotel room yourself, have her meet you there. Because you don't know what you'll be walking into. And I know you're thinking, you know, I'm man, I'm masculine, I'm manly man, I'm alpha male, all that other propaganda. Understand one thing. If somebody has a gun, they've already outmatched you. Why go through that? You don't have to. I'm just saying, don't let your pride get you killed. Another thing, too. Some of you dudes want to walk around and have your colors and all of that from your gang or whatever. Leave that at home. Just leave it at home. Don't bring that there. That's another headache you got to deal with. Let these youngsters figure it out. Let me tell you something. It's kind of ironic. You got Crips and Bloods, red and blue. Well, what were the colors in the Civil War? Red and blue. The Union had blue, the South had red. Revolutionary War, what were the colors? Red and blue. Red coats for the British, blue for the American. Doesn't look like anything's original, does it? Looks like it's more the same. You got to grow out of that childhood mentality. It would help you immensely. Because I can't tell you how many women who are supporting men right now who was in that lifestyle and stayed in it too long And even though they wanted to get out of the gang at 18 or 19, they wound up getting a 20-year sentence. And when they got out, they had nothing. Had friends that have done that. Had nothing when they got out. The homies had left them. The girl that they were fighting over is now pregnant with a third or fourth child with another guy. Family members are good, they're glad to see him, but don't want him to hang around too long. So what are you going to do? Well, you can't stay here, but what you going to do? And his choices are limited as the women that he can get. And he winds up getting the woman that's going to be the most amicable. And he limited his choices in life. Guys, if you don't get anything out of this podcast ever, for you men, 
Never jeopardize the five things I tell you about for a woman or anything else. Don't jeopardize your freedom. Don't jeopardize your wealth. Don't jeopardize your mobility. Don't jeopardize your decision-making skills. And do not jeopardize your reputation over a woman. It is not worth it. They have not quit making women. There are more than enough women on this planet in order for you to find one that you don't have to go and risk those things for. Understand that. You're not just limited to the United States. There are plenty of women overseas that will be more than glad to marry you without putting up with a lot of the drama that you have to hear. Please understand that. It's not the catch-all end-all. And it's not that the women are better. They approach life differently. That's the difference. So while you're sitting there trying to qualify yourself to a fine woman that you see that's wearing a lot of accoutrements and she's dissing you and turning you down, you can find a woman that accepts you the way you are without you having to jump so high. Better quality and more sustainability. Like I said, you're going to wind up more than likely marrying a Delta person, someone who's stable emotionally and financially. Because as men, you get tired of chasing a carrot. And what's really sad, there are some women out there who still want to be chased, but they're not chaseable anymore. And they don't quite get the message. You stayed at the party too long. Guys are not going to go and roll out the red carpet for you. Not like they used to. And like I told you, fellas, sometimes it's like some of these women, they are like celebrities that have now gotten older. You know, like some of these singers, the female singers that, oh, they got that range in that voice when they're younger. And then when they get older, they sound a little bit more husky. I remember hearing Denise Williams when she first sang uh, Free. She sounded like a little angel. Sounds so innocent, pure. To hear her sing that song now, oh boy. Yeah, that voice is a little bit stronger. Not taking anything away from Denise because we all age. But what I am saying though is this, is that Some people will know when it's time. When it's time to get serious. When it's time to think beyond the moment. And when it's time to take that vanity and put it in a place where it needs to be. A 
lot of times we don't think about that because we want to stay in the moment as long as we can because we're afraid if we lose that moment that we've lost ourselves. We've lost our identity, our sense of being, our sense of self, our sense of who we are. And of course, that's not the case. But sometimes we feel as though it is. Now, another thing, too, about fly-ins. If a person's honest with you and they have uh, everything that they said were true, but it's a good possibility there's a potential for that relationship to flourish. But it's getting through the initial stages of familiarity. We all have that problem. Remember the first time you tried to ride a bicycle? You were afraid of falling over? Some of you had training wheels. Others of you had your parents to guide you on it. And others of you were like a torpedo. You got on it, and then you went a few feet, then you just fell over to the right or to the left, and you started crying. That stage when you're trying to get your confidence up enough to actually put your foot on that pedal for the first time. That's what you're doing when you're going in on a fly-in. Because you don't know what you're dealing with. There have been plenty of women throughout my life that have, oh, you know, uh, I'll pay for your ticket. No, that's okay, I'll pay for mine. Gina, she even offered to pay for my ticket one time. I was like, no, 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 I'll come over to Berlin to see you. I appreciated it, though. But this is the way things are. It's not about pride. It's about being able to leave when you want to, be able to have that autonomy, be able to do things. Now, there's another trend, too, that's uh, coming about that I think is kind of cool that I enjoyed in my 20s, traveling. Now, when I say traveling, there's some people that are actually expats that are doing it. Those of you who don't know, expat is a person that is a U.S. citizen and they leave the country to go live in another country. Not unheard of. Been done many times over. There was a young lady out of, uh, that went to New Zealand, African-American woman. And she was talking about how she loved it. I loved New Zealand too. But I got to be honest with you, while I was there, I could have sworn I saw some dinosaurs. Just kidding. But it's a very beautiful place with the caves and the mist and everything is green. Just gorgeous place. And she loves it. And she said, you know what? I don't think I'm coming back to the States. I like it here too much. And you will find people doing that. A lot of young women are doing that now. Another friend of mine went to Iceland. She wound up getting married over there. So it varies. It varies. Because a lot of people are looking at it the fact that, yes, you live in the wealthiest nation in the world, 
on paper. But that wealth is not being shared or distributed. And so when we look at it, some people aren't benefiting like others are. I've talked to many people that now that they've retired and they don't have the income they used to have, they're looking at relocating in other parts of the world because it's costing too much to live in the United States. And some of the places where you would normally think, oh, well, I'd get a house in the South or something like that, you're still having to deal with storms, natural disasters, and the frequency of them has now made it where it's not really that feasible for many of them. Now, some of you have written in about <laughs> this one lady in particular. I got to read this to you from Joan. Joan writes this out of uh, Santa Ana, California. She says the following. You know, I'm thinking about selling my house and scaling down a lot. I really bounced around the idea of buying a tiny house. I know it sounds stupid, but it's just me and my cat. And if I get a boyfriend, he's going to have to just adjust to the living arrangements. The reason why I'm saying this in particular is because, yes, my house has increased in value, but you know I haven't really lived yet. I've worked my ass off paying for this house, and I don't have a life outside of it. I only owe about $50,000 on it, and I've been paying for God knows how long. I'm thinking about just scaling down. What are your thoughts on that? Joan, Santa Ana, California. Joan, I think you've had an epiphany. I think you realize that, okay, I got this big house, or house in general, in California. You want to take the rest of that money that you get from the sale of the house to live. Nothing's wrong with that. Tiny house? That's a possibility. Because you look at the cost of living now in many places, it's not affordable. It really isn't. Because you have a lot of rent, a lot of uh, landlords that are trying to make up for the losses they experienced throughout COVID. And they've raised these rents to ridiculous prices. And one thing that I do take issue with in the United States and like any other country. Why are we allowing many of these companies and individuals who own property here in the United States but don't live here have the prices so artificially high? You know, and I don't say this in order to be some sort of uh, nationalist or anything like that. But I'm looking at it from the standpoint that in many of these other countries, you cannot buy property, especially beachfront property. And I think that that shoots us in the foot. In the sense that, for instance, in California is a prime example. The economy's booming there, true enough, but if I'm paying 
49 to $5,200 a month in Santa Monica, a month or a place. Why should a place in Fontana be 29 to $2,800 a month? Or as far as that's concerned, a place in Victorville costing that much. The attraction is gone. The beach is the attraction. Because it's all based on what people are willing to pay. And that's where the problem is. And of course they say, well, the market will go where if it's too high, people just won't purchase it or rent it. That's true for a large degree, but then again, you have people that are coming in and doing it. And if the salaries don't match even close to what it costs you to live there, why live there? You know, the big thing years ago was the commute in L.A. That was a big thing. And people were going out, Riverside, Victorville, San Bernardino County, different places, in order to save money. They'd buy a house out there, and they'd be dog-tired by the end of the week because they're commuting into Los Angeles to pay for that house. So the only time they could really enjoy it was on the weekends. So think about it for a moment. Around eight days out of the month, you're enjoying your house. The rest of the time, you're commuting and you're sleeping and you're trying to get things to go through it. If you had a holiday or a four-day weekend, oh, you were in business. But outside of that, you were a slave to the mortgage company. So how could you live? Oh, you go on vacation. And when you're on vacation, you're also not only taking a vacation from the job, you're taking a vacation from the commute, and you're taking a vacation from the area in which you live that is so far out of the way from your job that you would really like to work in a closer proximity to where you, I mean, live where you work, but you can't because the cost of living there is so high. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And these are things that we have to look at and we have to really practically think through. So being that this young lady, Joan is going to scale down, tiny house may not be out of the question. But if you notice, the prices of those have gone up to, what, 180000 in some cases? Well, they have kids, and I put it on the uh, facebook.com backslash romantic truth uh, page. And they have these uh, ones that are already where you can put them together. But now you got to think about the land that it would have to sit on. You'd have to think about the plumbing and electrical. Gas, if you're going to have gas in it. And you're going to be considering the fact that you're talking about those things go anywhere from, I think, 200 square feet up to Somewhere to a thousand, close to a thousand square feet. 
because they want to bridge that gap because there's a market for it. People don't want the mobile homes as much. I remember in Mississippi, if you had a mobile home and you were in the path of a tornado, you had to start preparing for the next disaster before it even happened. And God help you if your area got caught, called a floodplain, then you had to deal with the insurance company. That was a fight on your hands. Which means that a lot of you people are relocating because you think it's cheaper. You got to understand, too, that if you're dealing with an area that's prone for natural disasters, it's going to be problematic. You know what used to crack me up? People would always say, well, you're out, you're out in California. You know, you guys have earthquakes as if they're seasonal, as if they happen every other week or every other day or every other year or month. You may get an earthquake in 2008 and might not get another one until maybe 2022. But it wasn't as predictable as the hurricanes are in Florida. Where you had to worry about every tropical storm that came out of South Africa, out of that region. Or tornadoes that could just pop up and wipe your place away every other year. That gets old after a while. But some people, you know, no, oh, we got to rebuild. Okay. When I saw that uh, clip, that video clip of uh, Hurricane Ian down in Florida, when the guy opened his door and there was an alligator swimming around in his house, I'm like, that's not going to happen for me. Mm-mm. For some people, it's no big thing. No big deal. More in a moment, folks. Now, in conclusion on fly-ins, I've told you some of the fundamental things that you don't have to be a rocket scientist in order to figure out. But I just wanted to underscore them because a lot of things go unmentioned. And then a lot of times people think that they're the only people that are thinking about these things. So your takeaways from this would be, one, know the person that you're dealing with. If you never met them before, still treat them like a stranger until you get to know them better. Two, Look at some of the safety precautions I told you about. Downloading the uh, app from the App and Play Store. And you want to do that so that you will have uh, timestamp, it's the name of it, so that you will have uh, documentation of who you were with, the vehicle you were in, and then the Google Maps snap screenshot and send that to a relative or family member, roommate, or someone, just in case uh, there's foul play in any case, and they could at least find out who you were with, where you were, 
and what were the possibilities of things happening. I know it sounds morbid, but it's best to be safe than sorry. Now, again, do not put this on social media. Only send it to family and friends that will need to know that information. Never travel anywhere without money. One thing to keep in mind, never, ever, I don't care how much they tell you you don't have to pay for anything, carry some money with you because you never know. It could be a big lie. It could be something to impress you just to get you there. Another thing, too, if you happen to go see a person, they want to pay for your ticket. If you can find it feasible, pay for your own ticket, round trip preferably, pay for your own hotel, even though they may want you to stay. You don't know them like that. You don't know what is associated with them. This is to protect you. Because you don't know what you're getting into. There was a case that I was watching the other night on court TV. I thought was pretty interesting. This man was living a double life. Had a wife and kids. He met this other lady online and lied to her and told her that he was single. He didn't have any children, had a great job, and oh, she was fawning all over him, couldn't wait to meet him. And what he did was, he says, out of respect for you, I'm going to pay for your ticket, and I'm going to pay for you to stay in a hotel. Well, she thought that was very nice of him, and so it took place. What happened, however, the wife followed him to the hotel and confronted them both. Well, eventually the husband wound up dead. The wife had hired a hitman to kill him. Hitman turned state's evidence, turned in the wife, but in the interim, that woman that came to see him was under scrutiny also. Something she had nothing to do with. But she got pulled into his mess. Now, would the wife have still come after him if she had paid for her own hotel and travel? More than likely, yes. And even though that woman had nothing to do with what was going on between this man and his wife. She was still pulled into it without knowing. This is what is the most challenging thing about dealing with something like this, the unknown. But she should be thankful also that the woman didn't turn on her. She wanted to do the most damage, and the best way to do it was with the husband. She wound up getting a conspiracy charge. 
still landed her life sentence along with the guy that killed him. And the guy that killed him was an ex-boyfriend of hers from high school that had been pining after her for years. And finally, she decided to give him a little warm pie, pussy. And that was the thing that did it. And this woman was in her 30s. So was the guy. But he had hung around that long to try to sleep with this woman. You know, guys, when I talk about that 3 o'clock position, that's what she put this guy into. He was so crazy about her. But the only thing she wanted to do was just wipe her feet on his back just to use him for that purpose. So I hope these tips will help you in deciphering what is best or not when it comes to your safety, when it comes to your emotional health, because you got to think about that too. Because the worst thing in the world to do is to go through and put all this effort in meeting someone and it winds up being something that you could have done without. Because one of the worst things in the world, especially for a guy, is to spend his money on a date and to see that he has wasted it just from the conversation alone. I try to tell you guys this because I'm going to tell you it's not worth it to be with someone that you really are spending your money on for no reason. This is why I tell you not to spend big dollars on these women to impress them. Don't do the foolish thing I did when I got out of the Marine Corps. Had that job as a security guard making 15 bucks an hour. Thought I was really doing something. And then decided to take this lady out, spend $175 on her that night. And with my foolish self, I'm thinking, oh, I only have to work, what, maybe a few hours and I'd have, you know, I could make up the loss. But when I factored it out and looked at it after taxes and everything I had to pay in my salary, what it came down to, I had to work 15 hours just to go on a date for about $180. Wasn't worth it. Because guess what? We had no chemistry. And you learn. And when you start factoring in dollar cost averaging like that, you'll get the message. That's the reason why I tell you. Ice cream parlor, donut shop, pizza uh, shop, or coffee shop, bookstore. Those are your best first dates. Or else a picnic. Something where you are not going to go and break the bank. And she should also be considerate of that. And if she's not, She's not the right woman for you anyway. She can go and say, oh, well, you broke or you cheap or you this or you that. But what you have to look at is the fact that the reason why that person's telling you that is because you're not paying for it. If they had the money, guess what they wouldn't be saying? That you're broke, cheap, etc. 
My ex-girlfriend was a multi-millionaire. What did we do? We would go to Gelson's, buy the groceries we wanted to go out on a picnic and go out there on the beach in Santa Monica and have a picnic. And enjoyed the moment. Except for those damn seagulls. The weirdest animals I ever saw. Have you ever looked at a seagull's legs? How the hell? I'm like, how does he stand up? Because they look like two little straws. And then have learned that they had some big ass webbed feet. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Animals are weird, though. But that's one thing that uh, I wanted to stress more than anything. And also, folks, uh, treating each other better. Ladies, quit using the N-word with fellas. Fellas, quit using the bitches and hoes. That's old. That's dated. Doesn't work. It's out. Because until you start respecting yourselves, you're not going to get respect from other people. It starts with your own personal integrity. And a lot of you young folks are going to figure that out when you're in your 30s and you're really looking for a partner that's stable. Someone that you could build something with someone where there's not this agenda to try to be seen and all of this, but just to have a wonderful life together as a couple. That point where you don't give a damn what the Joneses are doing, because like I told you, Mr. Jones could be a drug dealer. Mrs. Jones could be selling pussy. You don't know what they're doing at their home. The only thing you see are just the droppings of what they want you to see. They could have a situation tougher than yours. I've had friends that on the surface when I see them and meet them, I thought that they really were balling, that they really had it going on. And after I got to know them a bit better, started telling me about car payment problems. How they behind on their rent by nine months. And every time the landlord tried to evict them, they'd go to court and they'd get some sort of way that they could stay in there. But yet you see them flossing. They'd have the latest purses, latest shoes, fashion. But that was their marketing investment to get a man to help them. Fellas driving around in cars that were supposed to have been repossessed three months ago. Man, can I come to your spot and drop my car off in the garage? Nope. Mm-mm. What kind of friend are you? One that doesn't want to be involved in your crap. I don't bring my crap to you. Why should you bring it to me? 
Again, a form of disrespect. But we don't look at it that way. We're so busy trying to help them. Personal responsibility. You look at it now. Borrow money from a family member or a friend. Most people would just say, hey, you know, I'm going to write that off. Others would tell you, the old folks, you say, well, you know, that's blood money. I need that money back because that's part of my rent. Well, you can't afford to lend it. So why are you doing it? I know you love the person and all, but hey, you know what? Hey, let me tell you something. Why don't you go to a payday loan place? You have the interest to go to Dave online, go somewhere. There are a plethora of resources now that are out there you can go to. Some of you have been burned so many times by family members and friends that didn't pay you back. You don't know what to do. It even causes problems in your relationship. Wife, girlfriend want to know, why are you lending money to him? He never pays you back. We got bills to pay here. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's just, it, you know, he's going through a hard time. Well, he went through a hard time last month. So you have to be mindful of these things. Because they do have an impact. I want to thank you for listening. And I want you guys to take care and treat each other better. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at romantictruthpodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. 
The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.